Welcome to CooperCast, the Chuck Berry episode. This is your host, Al's Podberry, John Sachs. Al talks about playing on shows with Chuck Berry in the 50s and then backing him up with the Blues Project in the 60s and just how difficult it was to play for the great Chuck Berry. I played shows with him when I was in the Royal Teens. Right. And he was... He was a character. In those days, did he have his own band, or was he still doing? Was he already doing pickups? No. Well, this this time that I saw him, there was a house band. Okay. There was a, a Alan Freed show. Okay. And um, and there was a big orchestra. So this would have been what nineteen fifty eight. Okay. The Blues Project right. um, opened for Chuck Berry at a Town Hall in New York. Right. And part of the thing was we had to back him up. Right. So I thought to myself, how hard can this be? Right. And I said, you know, I said to everybody else, I said, how hard can this be? Then we found out how hard it could be. Yeah. Because he was a very tough taskmaster. And something that should have taken a half hour took two hours. Rehearsals ahead of time? Yeah, rehearsal. If he wanted something played, he wanted it played exactly as he said it should be played. And if somebody didn't do that, he would stop and say, no, 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 don't do that. Do this and play it again Uh like that. And and we caught on, so that didn't happen too often. You were playing keyboard? Yes. Okay. So you were doing what was his famous gu- Johnny Johnson. You were doing were you you were doing sort of what Johnny Johnson would do? Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, if I could put, if I could play like Johnny Johnson when I was twenty. Yeah. It was terrible working with him. Yeah. Terrible, and he was uh, disrespectful. Yeah, and that's what annoyed us. Right. There's a documentary where Keith Richards puts together a uh, a thing. Oh yeah. Like he wants to give Chuck an absolutely top-notch band, and he puts together a band. And. Uh, but it was a documentary, so you could see how how Chuck wouldn't allow them to do what they were comfortable doing. Even with Keith Richards, he was very pissy. He was ready to punch him out. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, I, I, <laughs> anybody that did that will tell you how annoying it was. Yeah. And uh, uh, what I learned from that was never to do that. Never if, to. If, if I was in a Chuck Berry position. Yeah. Never take a band and teach some of your stuff in the afternoon and play that night. Right. Never do that. But on the other hand, my stuff musically is much more complicated than Chuck Berry's. Right. He only used three or four chords. Right. Right. I wish I only used three or four chords. Chuck Berry had only one number one song, which was my dingling, which I think is just... (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> How appropriate. It's just shameful. I mean, Johnny B. Good and School yeah, Days yeah, but, and Maybelline yeah. were not number one songs. Yeah, but he made more money off those songs than my ding-a-ling, I promise you. I guess. It's just, uh, I don't know. And his estate is still making that money. If I recall, because we just watched this last night, Yeah. I think he was married to the same woman the entire time. I'll have to look that up. And in this documentary, there she was at, you know, age 150 or something. Mm -hmm. And she helped tell the story. And a lot of the story was, you know, how badly she was treated. Well, we know that, you know, and his genius artist, but obviously on a personal level, he could, you know, he wasn't a sweetheart. He was very tough to work with. Yeah. I say this firsthand. Yeah. Luckily, we knew his stuff. Right. So we didn't have to learn it. When he died, I went listening to a bunch of Chuck Berry, and when I heard uh, Too Much Monkey Business, I thought, this is the immediate precursor of Subterranean Homesick Blues. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's Definitely. just unbelievable. I mean, everything about it, the beat and the the staccato. The phrasing. The phrasing about the stuff that's driving him crazy. I mean, it's the, it's the direct parent of... And then he comes along and he writes a sweet little song like Memphis from the point of view of a child. It's just, just, just amazing. It's amazing because to sit with him yeah. was uncomfortable. Yeah, this angry guy. He was not pleasant. Yeah. yeah. I mean, maybe unless you were a woman. It, it wouldn't be fair to say that he invented rock and roll, but he was... Well, he was, you know, one of them. He was certainly one of them. And that guitar thing that he came up with uh, was... Uh, Johnny Be Good introduction. Just unbelievable. I mean, it's just pure out-and-out out rock and roll. And uh, uh, and he was... And, you know, and people would say that, oh, Bob Dylan changed everything because he wrote his own songs. I'm thinking, what are you talking about? Joe Perry wrote his own songs. Yeah, Dylan was a great, great songwriter, and he may have expanded the concept of what a song even can be. But Chuck Berry wrote the songs, played the guitar, and sang them. He was a monster that way. Johnny B. Good is like one of the most purely American pieces of art that was ever created, you know. It's, yeah. it's, it's just astounding, that song. This has been CoobraCast, the Chuck Berry episode, brought to you by Too Much Monkey Business. Look for more episodes coming up and subscribe at Apple, Spotify, or just about anywhere. And tell your friends.